Hello, friends, and welcome to The Interesting Hour. I am your host, Justin Kupinoff, and with me, as always, is my good buddy, Devesh Firma. Hey, everybody. Uh, this episode of The Interesting Hour is brought to you by Core Foundation. Core Foundation is a multimedia nonprofit. Check us out at cor-foundation.org and also the Natural History Museum in Los Angeles. So, yeah, why is that, Justin? Well, today we had an awesome interview with Doug Goudreau, who is a paleontological... Pa- paleontological preparateur. You know, he was worried about that on air too, but keep going. I think, I think he messed it up too. Yeah, but, he did, uh, but keep going. Yeah, yeah so uh, today was uh, awesome. We got a awesome tour of the Dino Lab there and got to see a bunch of fossils. I got to kiss an ichthyosaur, a 250 million year old swimming reptile. It was romantic. Was it was romantic. Yeah. yeah. You can check out those pictures online if you want. <laughs> and it was really awesome. Uh, this episode will sound really different uh, uh, compared to other episodes you've listened to because uh, we were actually recording on location inside the Dino Lab. So um, if you ever have uh, the pleasure of going to the Natural History Museum in Los Angeles, uh, the Dino Lab is this laboratory where they are cleaning off fossils uh, that they find uh, out in the field and they want people to see it. So when the interesting era got there on location, we were acting like little kids because we were acting like the little kids looking inside the Dino Lab while we're recording the episode. It was pretty awesome. So you <laughs> you will hear phone calls. You'll hear you'll hear uh, kids banging on a window. It was uh, surreal, but it was awesome. <laughs> I think you'll hear kids screaming too at one point. But either way, I feel like it was a, it was a blast. It was a good time and. Uh, we get to talk about the digs that they're doing and uh, how uh, beer and dinosaurs actually came together in the pursuit of science. What a cliffhanger. Let's start the episode on that. One, two, three, four. And here we are at the Los Angeles Natural History Museum in the Dino Lab. <laughs> With Doug Goudreau. How's it going, man? Great. <laughs> so, so thank you very much for having us here. Sure. This is, this is probably, I would say, the coolest place that we've been on location. I'm really excited. I'm still excited. <laughs> I'm probably going to be excited after we leave here today. <laughs> yeah, we just got a, an awesome tour of everything that he does here. Uh, there's a lot of dinosaur bones sitting around. Yeah, we're surrounded by dinosaur we're, No, we're sur- surrounded by fossils. Yes. That's the technical term. Nice correction. Yeah. Nice correction. Because there is a fossil here that's pre, uh, pre-Jurassic, or what did you call it? Or Jurassic, yeah. Jurassic. Pre- yes. All right, I'm going to mess up a lot of names, so hopefully you can <laughs> sure. just correct me. You're going to sure. have to keep okay. us on track during yes, this. Because, this uh, I'll do my best. You, you, you're a very nice guy from what we've been talking so far, but you have no idea. You've been dropping some mad knowledge. <laughs> you're a very technical guy. Oh, good. Okay. So, uh, yeah. Anyway, so let's do this. Doug, can you just introduce uh, what your position is here? and uh, what you do. Sure, I'm the uh, chief paleontological preparator. Mm-hmm. It just rolls off the tongue. Yeah, I know, <laughs> uh, it's so easy to say. And so, yeah, I, pretty much I go out on digs and dig up fossils and bring them back and prepare them and uh, train uh, students and volunteers of all ages and backgrounds uh, to do the same. Uh, there's a lot of work. Uh, the fun part is collecting everything during the summer. Uh, months when the weather is good and not covered, uh, the badlands aren't covered in snow and bad weather, and so you have that hottest time of the year to get out in the desert and, and uh, dig for dinosaurs, and prospect, and and then get it all back here safely and uh, prepare it out and on display or or just ready for research. 
So you're just a sucker for pain. You just choose the worst time or <laughs> hottest time of the year when you do it this. It is a, a bit of a physical workout, yeah. But uh, that if you go a little bit too early in the summer, you have the problem with uh, mosquitoes and gnats uh, that are even tinier than mosquitoes. There's actually some gnats uh, that are uh, that were biting the dinosaurs uh, that you can find in the fossil record. Uh, the same species is biting us uh, today. If you go just in June or April when there's still enough water out there to keep them uh, alive and, and kicking. So you want to go after they've kind of uh, been uh, knocked down by the heat, um, but that can also <laughs> knock you down. So you got to uh, just, just uh, you know, choose, choose uh, what hardships you want to deal with and then go at it. And usually it's uh, uh, so much fun and interesting uh, work to do that uh, that overrides any, any little obstacles like that to get in the way. So you've actually, you can find fossils of gnats? You can, yeah. <laughs> wow. Have you accidentally caught gnat fossils? Uh, no, and I, I have not myself. There's some areas, uh, I think Colorado, there's some hot spots that are known for collecting insects and insect fossils. Uh, but we just learned this uh, when we visited the, some uh, a local ranger station and had the information on, uh, uh, they were like, you're out there digging right now? Not the gnats biting you? And, uh, that's, we, we found out that out the hard way. And that's uh, actually the, the base of the name, uh, Natalie, we're calling this the working title for our, our uh, sauropod. Uh, Natalie. Natalie with the, the G, yes. Yeah. So uh, until we determine the species, uh, uh, that's, that's the working name. Uh, how long does it take for you to determine a species? Oh, that uh, depends. Um, we have uh, several folks uh, collaboratively researching things right now, and uh, publications will come out. Uh, that's a good question. I'm not sure. It varies from specimen to specimen. Okay. Cool. So there's a bunch of different uh, skill sets, I believe, <laughs> that you use here right. uh, that you told us about during the tour. Um, but uh, before we get to that, going back, like when, when you were a kid, was this something that you always were interested in? Because every kid goes through that phase, I think, of just being obsessed with dinosaurs and looking at all the books of the old dinosaurs. Did you just did you just, yeah. <laughs> did you just never grow out of this phase? Is that what it is? I, I did. I got sidetracked by a lot of other interests uh, that kind of ended, somehow brought me back to paleontology. So, yeah, I, I, like you, you experienced, I, I grew up in the, the Bay Area and I went to the Cal Academy of Sciences and saw my first dinosaur. And uh, that, that really uh, impressed me. And I was about four or five years old and I saw this and my uh, dad said, oh yeah, if that was alive today, that could eat you. And then he said, okay, come on, <laughs> let's go. And I said, wait, 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 I got some questions. I, I couldn't believe this thing uh, that I saw uh, mounted in this museum was actually alive one time. And it, that really stirred my interest, and I think a lot of other kids have the same kinds of similar stories. And uh, I ended up, uh, I didn't want to go back to school right after high school. I ended up uh, joining the military mm -hmm. and uh, looking at other career opportunities, but I always did like uh, uh, have an interest in dinosaurs and paleontology and uh, earth sciences, biology. And uh, I, I, uh, after that, I, I uh, liked creatures and the horror films. I ended up coming to Los Angeles to do special effects makeup. And uh, with that, um, I did quite a bit of work, but I didn't like the downtime you had when you weren't working. And I uh, started volunteering at the Naturist Museum and also looked for other ways to get my makeup effects skills up 
And uh, one of those was uh, mortuary science. So I'm also a licensed embalmer. Really? And yeah. And uh, this guy does everything. Yeah. I mean, actually, it makes <laughs> but sense. All when of you... those things do go back yeah. into paleontology. I started going back to school for, for paleontology after uh, spending a couple, a few years doing that. So I still do mortuary work, and, uh, but I work full time at the Naturist Museum. I've been here for oh, over 18 years now. Oh, that's so you like, can help, you help put things in yeah. the ground and take them out. That's right. I'm good with old dead stuff and new dead stuff. That's right. Um, but this, this is a lot more fun and interesting. And, and some of these uh, bodies that we're working on here just have never been seen before. So that's really exciting to possibly work on something that's not yet uh, been described. Okay. You, uh, before we jump into what's being done here, what does the Dino Lab do? The Dino Lab focuses on just dinosaurs. We have a paleontological lab uh, for vertebrate paleontology, which is all, um, all dead vertebrates. So we, we have a lot of, uh, uh, as you can imagine in California, a lot of sea lion and uh, um, uh, whale and uh, oh, a variety of fish and dolphin, everything um, dug up as we're, as we're constantly expanding our urban environment and digging new freeway corridors and things like that. So that, a lot of that material is worked on upstairs. We initially opened this when we were renovating our dinosaur halls so there'd be some dinosaur presence because people want to come to the museum, they want to see some dinosaurs. And so our dinosaur halls were, were they're open now, but during that time we had this uh, lab open so people can see as we were preparing for this new exhibit, they could see what we're working on and get excited about it. And uh, it, it got such great publicity and people are so interested in it that we made it a full-time uh, exhibit, if you will. Uh, so a lab that everybody can kind of see the, the in-between stages. So when they made this a full-time exhibit, is that when they made you into a cartoon and made that online video of you? <laughs> uh, there, there might be some of that out there. Be, yeah, because I related to you immediately. Because Justin and I were cartoons for this episode for the show. Oh. So I was like, "This is great. We need to have Doug on the show." <laughs> so that's cool. I'm curious when you when you first uh, started to work here, just for anybody else who may be interested mm -hmm. in you know following some of this this type of work and mm -hmm. are, and are interested in it. When you first uh, volunteered here. Like what? What actual work were you doing, and like what? What? Uh, what do you need um, knowledge of to to become a volunteer and doing some work like this? Well, uh, I when I started going back to school, I went back for paleontology, and um, I ended up doing a doing a lot of uh, earth science courses, a lot of biology and zoology, comparative anatomy courses. And uh, I ended up um, changing direction, going back to my passion of sculpture. And so all of that has to do with sculpting in missing parts, molding and casting, the things, the skill sets that I developed through the makeup effects industry. And then uh, re restorative art is what they call it in the, the funeral industry, which is putting uh, bones back together. Um, I deal with a, a lot of uh, uh, rough cases that a lot of folks don't, aren't able to to necessarily handle or, or have the skills to put back together. And, or a stomach. Uh, yes, yes. <laughs> but, uh, um, so any of those, uh, those sorts of backgrounds, are, uh, we're finding a lot of volunteers that do well with the delicate preparation uh, have some sort of artistic background and um, not necessarily uh, strong in the sciences or, or math, but um, all of that does help and it all... Um, can make you a better preparator, uh, but uh, typically uh, the science folks are going to be doing busy doing publishing and uh, in the collections studying what's already been worked on. So it is, as, as one of your staff pointed out already, a, a very technical based job, and uh, I'm talking a lot with my hands. I don't oh, want to no, bump, it's great. Your, it's bump, great. bump your equipment. Um, so yeah, it's it's. Uh, I, I suppose you just want to stay in school and. Uh, <laughs> 
study any of the, the earth sciences, uh, or be geology, for example, are usually mm -hmm. what people start off with before doing going into their masters and, and pursuing a PhD. And there's no, there's no like set state or curriculum to get your position, is there? Uh, not exactly. There mm -hmm. there um, there are some programs uh, now. There's there's groups that uh, get together and and uh, um, AMP is one of them. Uh, that, that uh, will focus on uh, folks sharing uh, their their skills and approaches to different uh, problems with uh, preparing specimens. Um, other other countries, uh, Germany is an example that that have a uh, a trade uh, uh, school uh, sort of format that they train people if they want to pursue this as a as a career. Uh, but here in the states, no, not so much a um, something that you can go and get a, a degree or certification in. Mm -hmm. Um, so there's a lot of different folks from different backgrounds that contribute what what they bring to the table. All right. Very Did that cool. answer your question? Yeah. 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 yeah no, totally. For sure. Totally. Um, so let's get into uh, the the digs that you guys are on currently here. Yeah. Sure. That you're working on. Sure. There, I think there's a there's a couple big ones, right? That are the main. Yeah, focus. we're in three different places right now, focusing on uh, with with as far as dinosaurs go, um, and that is uh, Utah's uh, uh, Blanding, Utah is one of the areas uh, that we found a really good quarry uh, location, and uh, we've been visiting that since 2008, and uh, bringing back loads of material from there. And then another one that we've just past couple of years have been exploring is uh, in New Mexico. And there's a theropod and a, uh, uh, a sauropod there uh, that uh, we're currently bringing out. And then uh, also in U uh, Nevada is also where we're working. And uh, it's a collaborative uh, project with a, a German university where we're working on uh, bringing back a ichthyosaur material. It's just an explosion of ichthyosaur uh, species. Uh, around 248 million years ago, that were uh, that are hard to get to, and we're in the process of collecting and preparing out. And eventually, we'll have those in a an ichthyosaur exhibit uh, a few years, projecting a few years down the road. Okay. So yeah, we're busy, busy, busy. Yeah. So in uh, well, let's can we go one by one real quick? Oh yeah. Uh, the places yeah, we have to. Yeah. Let's uh, let's start with, <laughs> with Utah. To. That's uh, what are you what are you looking for exactly there? Uh, well, we've uh, uh, what we're just pretty much digging out this cornucopia of stuff uh, in this one location um, in the, uh, the southeastern corner of the state. And uh, it's mostly a sauropod, and the material is, is uh, unique in its preservation in that it's this beautiful kind of uh, green color, almost an emerald green in some cases, um, based on the surrounding minerals that have, fossil, that have preserved it in its fossilized state. And uh, um, typically in the Morrison formation of this, this early Cretaceous uh, material is, is kind of a, preserved in a, a more of a black or dark brown color with a little bit of purple indicating iron. Um, but this, this one is, is really a, a pretty green and, uh, and striking in that, that way. And so it makes for a good display specimen. Mm -hmm. um, and so and there's several different individuals or many of these animals were in this area for hundreds or maybe thousands of years. Uh, during their their reign and uh, uh, could have uh, just just really did well there, but also also finding little bits and pieces of other uh, smaller um, theropods like a Strithomimus or Allosaurid parts um, that uh, give you an indicator of who is living uh, uh, with 
one another uh, in the same vicinity. We haven't seen any evidence of something attacking uh, something else. Like in our vertebrate collections, we have a sea lion with mako shark embedded in the in a humerus of a sea lion. So well, yeah, obviously, really? that animal is was feeding on that animal. We we don't know that, but we most likely suspect that these uh, allosaurs are running around and uh, taking a a, a good uh, chomp out of some of these uh, sauropods. Um, but we haven't seen the physical evidence of that, but we're sure we're going to pretty much collect as much of this material as we can and kind of Frankenstein together, if you will, one complete one and have that on display. And uh, it, it uh, fluoresces under black light, so that might be kind of fun to think about trying to display it in a way that you could uh, see it uh, glow. Put up a little party, have yeah, a DJ. Yeah. 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 going on there. So that actually is one of my questions. Uh, I hadn't uh, thought of that. That's pretty funny. <laughs> there we go. That's actually one of my questions later on, uh, uh, but I'll have to ask it now. So mm. when you put uh, these fossils on display, like the T-Rex that's in the lobby downstairs. Yeah, a lot of thought goes into that. Yeah, yeah. people don't think about it. It's, it's that, that's not a, it's not all those bones or everything displayed there is not from the same T-Rex, or is some of this like fake, or what, what has Yeah, that well, um, there, there are some uh, missing parts. None of the, the dinosaurs are very rarely uh, found in, in complete, um, with their anatomy being complete, and just lay down, die, and get covered up perfectly and undisturbed for millions of years. Mm -hmm. So uh, we have to do a, a it, it forces us to make, uh, make some, uh, 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 Make deals with other organizations where you might say, "Hey, we we got this juvenile T. Rex, and oh, we you know this. Uh, I think it was the Montana Museum of the Rockies where we they had some uh, forearm, forelimb elements. So we can, hey, can we make some molds and casts and copies of your forearms? And they say, okay, well, if we we're doing a growth study, uh, then can we cut some sections out of your your femur of what you found, and that can add to our database. <laughs> and so oh, we wow. make deals like that to, to where you can kind of put one together. So. It's not necessarily, we want to put as much real stuff out there as possible. I have a follow-up question for that. Sure. I don't know if you'll know this, but when they're making these types of deals with other organizations, what do they get out of it? Like, what are, what that are helps, you? Like a, yeah, that gives them that data that, mm. they, you know, how many, how many people are willing, oh, I got a T-Rex at home, and we can share our femur <laughs> uh, with you if we, you prepare this out, and oh, you found that about this, and, and then we'll uh, help you uh, make a mold, and you got somebody that can make molds and casts, then we can pour this up and, and swap that. Uh, well, everybody builds, everybody gains by building their collections that way, and then uh, and sharing that that scientific knowledge. So it's just so everybody out. benefits from everyone's that. nerding everybody, out. Yeah, I love it. That's awesome. Okay. You that's, all trade you a T Rex femur for a cross section of your. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, that's fantastic. That's cool. And look, that's yeah. and that's not just within the states. That's internationally. Yes, correct. Yeah. yeah. So uh, yeah, the, now um, the the laws are such, and, and rightly so, that you you collect you find some new species somewhere in another country you don't want to take that uh take that away from them but you mm -hmm. can you can let that them have that in their collections and make a mold and cast of that so you have a 3d copy um of of that uh, specimen you you we win and looking uh by by having uh, the physical specimen but also sharing the knowledge and their approach to they might uh, uh their molding and casting techniques and things like that so technicians win all, all the way down the line um everybody gets a, a benefit from that by sharing knowledge and expertise i love that man that's what's great about like the scientific community you guys are international you guys just yeah you just want to nerd out you want to share data <laughs> yeah <laughs> Cross-sections, everything. <laughs> yeah, I, I saw it. We, you showed us some of the molds while we were uh, walking around here, and that's 
where I think some of your other skills come in because you you're constantly or I don't know how often you do it, but you make molds of uh, of pieces around here, right? And that's yeah. pretty much the same kind of stuff they use in like you know movie effects, right? And right. Yeah. Same things. The the, the fiberglass um, for the mother mold and silicone casting rubber. And uh, for example, being in California, an earthquake country, you, you don't want to necessarily put the skull elements, these big, heavy skull fossils up, up high on top of the mount. So the mounts have a, a light cast uh, resin for the skull, and some of the missing parts are then filled in so that it's all sort of fleshed out in bone, so to speak. And then the, the real skull elements are down in a display case, as you'll see when you visit the dinosaur halls mm. uh, at eye level. So they're, they're closer to the ground and, and more in a stable display, <laughs> and you can see what's been filled in and right. what hasn't. And so people can see the overall impressive animal, the entire skeletal system, but as well as looking at the, the growth series that we have on display, and you can check that out. Impressive. Impressive as in, like, I get terrified. The fossils you were showing us, like some of the yeah. teeth were just terrifying to me oh it's beautiful I, no i love all the pictures i got selfie yeah. with an ichthyosaur come on that is so awesome i can't wait to put yeah. that on facebook um i totally forgot we should probably have asked this at the beginning but just basic basic what actually is a fossil because when you dig up something that's 250 million years old you're not looking at at the actual bone anymore. This is something that's gone through a process, right? Yeah, uh, there's very little bone there, but, but what it is, I like to tell people, is Mother Nature's molding and casting system. So the, uh, the animal dies, it, gets, uh, it lays down in some sediment, preferably a nice fine sand, <laughs> but, uh, wherever, and uh, then it gets covered up, uh, and then uh, that, that, the, the tissue, of course, rots away. But then the more, uh, the, the, the more robust elements, the, the, the more solid features, like the skeletal system, that's much more, uh, it's a very porous, um, uh, a nice uh, trap for little uh, minerals and surrounding sediments to then mm -hmm. travel through and, and fill in the, the gaps in the bone, just like our own skeletal system has. Uh, it's full of little, little air pockets that initially will, uh, that uh, were there for, for, for blood and marrow now get filled with all these fine sediments and then uh, over time uh, are, are almost replaced entirely by the surrounding sediments and it uh, makes for a nice dense uh, cast of, of what once was the, uh, the bone of, of a particular specimen or entire animal. And that can be um, sometimes eroded out and, and, um, and that's how we find them by just prospecting and looking around in different areas. And then other, other times, if you're, you're digging, uh, uh, you find those eroded out elements that might start to fall apart as you dig into the sediments, and that gives you a clue to where the, the good stuff is. And you can find the entire uh, skeleton of, a, of an animal, um, more or less. Uh, I'm kind of meandering there. But no, no, no. Just, yeah, but yeah, that's, that's pretty much uh, what it is. The, the, it, it takes a good... I don't know, 10,000 uh, years to, to a million years for something, that whole process to take place and have mm -hmm. something completely solidified. Um, but uh, yeah, it's, it's pretty much hardly any more calcium, uh, but more, more the surrounding minerals. So it takes on the color and preservation of, of whatever the, the environment offers. Oh, I didn't offers. realize that. Right. Yeah, so the, yeah, that green, that green uh, skeleton is pretty much was a, an off-white color, just like our own skeletal system to begin with. And it's just the but minerals. The like minerals just, around it. Right. Yeah, different parts of Montana, too. for example. Our, our T-Rex has a, a black dentine in the teeth. Um, and in other, other parts of Montana, the, the dentine is white, just like uh, regular teeth would be. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. Huh. 
So what are the conditions? Because you were talking earlier during the tour about uh, like the, the the animals that they found in China or the dinosaurs they found in China where you can see like the like the pattern of the of the feathers and stuff like that. And there was a, there was something another National Geographic picture that I saw recently somewhat recently of, of this dinosaur that like you could almost see its skin or something like that like oh, oh yeah do you know, know the one talking i'm talking about, about? there there was uh, i forget the I name forget of how it how it was preserved or anything but like but that's what i was going to ask is like what what are like the prime conditions where you can start seeing like more detail like that well Justin, i can answer that question you see in jurassic park they were talking about <laughs> <laughs> you know sap and yeah, no, it's just kidding. like in the movies <laughs> no it's not it's, uh, uh, well, yeah, the, the conditions have to be just right. Uh, for example, in, in, uh, with more, more modern remains, you look at Egypt and uh, the conditions are right for mummifying uh, remains before fossilization. Uh, so if you left those mummies alone, they eventually be, a lot of them would become fossilized. Um, so the, the hot, hot and cold to dry uh, would suck out all the moisture and kill bacteria, and that's good. And then, um, uh, then you got to just kind of let things wait a while. Mm -hmm. And so uh, anoxic environment, no oxygen, so no bacteria. So getting covered up with muck and mud down in the deep uh, depths of something, the tar pits are a good example, our, our sister museum. Oh, right, yeah. Yeah, getting, uh, uh, just just preserving everything and, and, and uh, the, the tissue's gone, but then that, that bone uh, stays there. But um, sand is what you, the hot, hot and dry to dry things out, turn things into beef jerky. And then, <laughs> then replacing that, and you can get skin patterns and texture, uh, yeah, and and a lot of great detail um, uh, with that kind of preservation or that, right. those circumstances. Um, so it's probably dried out uh, in the in the case of the uh, there's a Solohofen quarry I think in, in Germany, and then uh, in China. Uh, well, I, I was I didn't go out and dig in China, but worked on specimens there in their collections and prepping them out uh, with microscopes and looking at all the details there. And you can get a yeah, phenomenal preservation because those fine sands and things are, uh, uh, I think it's uh, very much the same where there's uh, toxic gases emitting from the, the swamp, the animals are flying around that or die, um, and then go get covered up really easily in the swampy environment and uh, you just have layers and layers, pages of time that you can mm -hmm. bust these, these sand, uh, blocks of sandstone and, and just have both halves of the specimen there. Is, know, is that how you're dating you. these uh, fossils that you're finding by the environment? Like there are layers of rock or sand, et cetera? Like how, are you doing carbon dating? Like how are you finding out? Well, like carbon dating, you need uh, some, some actual carbon uh, there. Some, <laughs> yeah. some, uh, but uh, that's all, uh, it's usually radioactivity is measured. Uh, so um, I read on doing the dating uh, in the lab here, mm -hmm. um, but usually measuring the level of radioactivity in the material can get you a pretty accurate um, uh, uh, measurement of that. Uh, the, the, but uh, we're, we're just in, in generally when we're doing paleontology, we're just looking at um, the known. There's all the known areas that have been mapped. Uh, they're pretty much gone over. We know what to expect when we're going to look in a certain area. And that uh, that material is already uh, it's it's known that it's within this time frame or give or take a million. Um, we're not so worried about that when we're give or take the a million. Up. Uh, <laughs> that you seems can get so a, vast. Yeah, <laughs> but you can give you can get a pretty accurate uh, uh, um, date on on things by um, radiometric dating. And uh, there's there's a number of other techniques too that are. Uh, I need some more coffee. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, 
I could go over, but uh, we don't do that in this lab. Mm-hmm. We're just pretty much hammering out the, the material and cleaning it up the best we can, and and uh, that keeps us pretty busy. There's still you know much to do. Because of the, the coffee comment, I gotta ask you this. Yeah. What are your hours like? Uh, here it's pretty much, pretty much nine to five. Nine to five? Here. Yeah. But what about like during the summer when you're actually on site and stuff yeah, like that? Yeah, you can get into a 12, 16 hour day easily, yeah. You're getting up because it's usually pretty hot in the high desert. So you can't stay in your tent any longer than 7 a.m. The sun's already beating down on you. Oh, that would oven suck. in there. Yeah. <laughs> that would suck. No, you get into a different rhythm. Okay. You know, you kind of let the hygiene go. And you skip the shower. <laughs> you skip the shower and just get you just out stand, there. You get out of your tent, do the Superman pose. You're like, all right, I'm ready. <laughs> I don't know about that. You could, you could, you could do that. Uh, I would. <laughs> but, uh, and then, uh, yeah, you got to... Uh, Eat, uh, pack a lunch, and uh, and you usually don't eat as much in that kind of heat, mm-hmm. and so that's pretty easy to do. And then uh, it's uh, you're off uh, to the quarry or prospecting, and uh, yeah, you you might uh, use everything from uh, dental picks and, and brushes to a jackhammer uh, or a little handheld air hammers uh, to to trench around and then uh, tunnel underneath and jack it up specimens, get them out of the ground, and and map all of that and. Um, train newer people, get uh, um, uh, break equipment, get that fixed, get more supplies. Uh, uh, so you're not fix, talking about... Fix flat tires. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, so you're not talking stuck, about like just, just what people picture, like a little guy there with a brush, like that's lightly brushing away yeah, things. Yeah, that's a thin sliver of but it. Yeah. So, but some of it's actually like manual labor, yeah. like you're, you're doing some actual yeah, work. Yeah, yeah, it can be some pretty hard labor. And, and then, um, yeah, getting, uh, making uh, sure everybody's uh, uh, taken care of, safe, and then getting back, and then uh, usually uh, cook, cook something for dinner, and then you're in bed at nine, nine or ten o'clock. Yeah, you're 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 pretty much done. Some you know some people just wiped out. So it's it can be a full yeah a good mm-hmm. full day. And then you, we usually try to take uh, one day off to go into town to get supplies and showers and uh, <laughs> your one shower your of one the summer. Shower. <laughs> yeah, is it usually you really enjoy your bathroom when you get back home? Yeah. Besides the volunteers, is it usually the same teams that go out? Um, uh, usually a few of the key core people um, and staff, but uh, it's a mix of people every time. There's different people okay. pretty much going out. Yeah. It, it, are these people coming from different organizations? Is it, is it yeah, one of some people are just yeah, getting some experience or lending their expertise. Uh, mm-hmm. You might have a geologist from one institution coming out. You might have some, uh, some uh, foreign folks. Uh, actually, some folks, uh, one guy from Portugal and Spain, helped us find the current uh, locale for the Natalie quarry. Because uh, they have a lot of that same material, that same age exposed on their coastal uh, areas, uh, so they can. Um, they were we were out there for a couple of days before we found anything, and then we started finding little bits and pieces. And it takes a while for your eyes to adjust from Montana sediments that are more beige and gray and brown, to then this this blue green gray stuff that we were finding in Utah. And uh, yeah, they just had a better eye for for seeking it out and. Uh, that, that turned into one thing led to another, and we this this quarry opened up into more and more material as we followed those bone flakes into the hill. Wow. Mm-hmm. Oh, maybe we should get into uh, like how you actually 
you didn't call it scouting. What was the prospecting? prospecting? Yeah, yeah, like prospecting, prospecting we, for gold. Yeah. yeah, yeah, but you yeah. guys are doing it for <laughs> for you fossils. Guys have, you guys have like pans here. Like, no. fossils. Right no, now. you're just walking around and looking. I mean, some of the some of the heat, the summer heat was so bad it was reflecting up off the the whiter sands and sunburning underneath your eyelids. Oh, <laughs> wow. So you're walking yeah. around. It can be demoralizing looking around where you know the stuff's here. Material's been found there. There's been publications on it, but uh, we're trying to build up our own collections and looking for things that haven't been found before. And so you're, you're trying to find stuff that, that might not have ever been seen before. And also just looking for any signs of good fossil, uh, fossiliferous areas uh, or la- layers. In the that sediments. by itself seems like a skill because things that you've been showing us in your lab, mm-hmm. it, was, it just looked like rock to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you, you'll notice, and that's, that's other people always say, well, it all looks like, uh, you know, you're, you're trying to sell me on this rock looking like something. Uh, you know, but you're like, carving rocks back yeah, there. Yeah. You salesman, you. Yeah. This is where we make dinosaurs. No, this is, this is a, we were cleaning them up and they, they have that stuff stuck on them, but they're also, there's a different texture and they're usually a little denser and uh, they have some of the features that our own skeletal system has. So if you ever, um, uh, for instance, a lot of people have been to Petrified Forest where you see the texture of the bark Mm-hmm. On the, these logs, and it's uh, just anything that looks odd. Um, and there's always something in the quarry uh, that has the the texture or look of of bone, and it's not. It's just uh, concretions or things that that have similar features that you might have been looking at. And it's good to take a break and look at something else for a minute, or come back and with fresh eyes. And um, but yeah, some of the stuff can fool you, but then after you clean it up a little bit and you can follow a pattern, or there's some, yeah, some texture to it, or there's something obvious, like a, a limb bone, obviously like our own femur, has a, a femur head to it and uh, a long shaft and then bulbous ends, it looks very much like a bone, or the vertebrae are often, because these, uh, these, uh, um, these particular vertebrates have a, a lot of vertebrae with a long tail. So you're gonna see this, uh, this drum shape and the spines coming off of that that indicate it's a vertebrae and some of the features that you'd see on our own vertebral column. Mm-hmm. Um, some of those things are very obvious uh, at, at just first glance. But uh, other times, like I said, we spend a couple of days not finding anything and then you go over it again and again and uh, sometimes at different times of day, different light. And depending on how fatigued your eyes are or different folks come a different part of the team comes a different time they might spot something that you just walked right over. So you can mm. find things that way. So when you're prospecting, I gotta ask you this, cause mm. I'm telling you Jurassic Park was influential in my childhood. Sure. Um, so you don't have like that sonar thing that they got in the movies where like they pound no, the ground. And they, no, like, unfortunately we don't, we don't. It's just good old fashioned um, looking around uh, and hunting. That's you take you that? Can do. Uh, you, can, you can pick it up and hang it down. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah, like it should go right to this the This is our dino lab today. So, yeah. Interesting hour only. I was only expecting you guys today, so just, just put that on hold. Don't, don't leave a message. That's funny. Yeah. Uh, so you don't have the the sonar thing. The, the, you, we don't. Is, is this, don't. It's, line, it's, it's your eyesight. Yeah. It's just yeah. looking for stuff. Yeah, just, just getting good practice. Just how, looking for how stuff. How long did it take you to feel confident like, oh, that's a femur or like that's something that's, that's a rib cage, part of a rib cage, like, Calling things out. Hmm. You know, I well, I started volunteering here, and so we'd go out to little little sites. Uh, There's a golf course being developed out in Reseda. We found some sea lion, and it was very obvious. Well, somebody calls you and tells you something's there, mm-hmm. so you go out and go, "Oh yeah, I see what you mean." This mm-hmm. is, uh, and, and other times it's like, "Oh, 
no, that's a, that's a cow bone, and this is probably a slaughterhouse or a farm, and so they just dumped this wherever. You can see the, the marks. And it's, oh, that's sad. <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, it's uh, very light, um, and uh, the, so it is bone, but it's, it's nothing, nothing yeah. important. Um, other times, uh, yeah, people are digging something up in their backyard and saying, well, that was, uh, who owned this before? Oh, that was somebody buried their dog there. So you're, you're, oh. you're digging up fluffy. Oh. Yeah, so there's things like that come up. Uh, that, Just that put people, them in the museum, man. <laughs> yeah, well, or they, they call, they think, oh, we've, uh, this is obviously a murder. This is SCI. And, and they get excited and say, no, that's, uh, no. Just put the cat back in the ground and that's fine. <laughs> Oh, do you actually so put you actually put it back in the ground? See, well, I mean, it's it's. it's what are you going to do with it? Yeah, oh, yeah. We, now now though, we we can usually somebody can send you a picture with their phone, and you can tell right away. Oh, you know, that's what that is, and uh, you can if you, if that doesn't bother you, can just let it ring, and I'll I'll call them back. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah. That's, nah. I, uh, I like the ambience. Sorry about that. But no, it's yeah, all good because cool. like it's the phone, but like even while we're recording here, before we started recording, there's kids. Yeah. yeah. There's groups of kids walking outside yeah. this like the lab. Like they're looking at us. Oh, yeah. They're trying so hard to wave to me and I wave back, but I'm like, sorry, I'm not important. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not what you're looking you for. You don't have a lab coat on, Justin. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So. They'll just knock harder if you've had a lab coat on. Yeah. No, it's all good. I don't I'm, mind the ambience. Um, okay. Oh, so, so what were you? We were talking about, yeah. so, uh, I completely forgot. Number of trucks and Oh yeah, I was, asking, I was asking you if you actually put the, the fossils back if you find like a cat, a dead oh, cat. Oh yeah, well, well now it's not, not too much of an issue. Now, now people can send you a photo and save you a trip. Mm -hmm. um, some lady found something in her, their kids, they put in a sandbox and I was like, oh, and it, it, we looked at it, it was a piece of a starfish uh, limb. It was real tiny, I thought it was, it was like a little, little micro fossil. So people send in stuff, or they bring things in, and it's good when it's a good teaching moment when they they bring something they dig up in their backyard, like like when I was a kid. I thought I thought I was looking for dinosaurs. I was digging in my mom's garden, <laughs> and you didn't understand the, the geology and and where you are, and the, you know in the in the northern Bay Area, you're not going to find that. It's all been scraped up and uh, landscaped, and mm -hmm. so you're you're not going to find anything. But um, you, you you can find interesting things and make that get get them pointed in the right direction when kids come in and want to know about this and say why they're not finding that, uh, why they're not going to find dinosaurs here and where where to look and uh, yeah that is bone and so you're getting close and, and you can tell by the types of teeth you're finding oh no that's a possum or a raccoon that uh, died or somebody shot <laughs> and uh, and left there or buried there and so it, it tells you a story and then it it just uh, opens your eyes to you know, there's there's things to be found out there, and you you never know where things might turn up, and uh, you can have um, mammoth um, turn up like out in Hemet. Uh, it's a pretty uh, close site, or or better yet, the the tar pits where there's there's things uh, that turn up all the time in the tar seeps that come up. There's new discoveries all the time. How how what's the process for some like, let's say a ten year old kid digging in their backyard, they found some fossils, whether it's a mm -hmm. possum or whatever it is. <laughs> How do they uh, make the appointment to come see you or someone here to go verify uh, what those are? Like, well, can, I, I had no idea you can yeah, actually do yeah, that can, ca uh, casually. Yeah, it's not too too frequent, uh, but people do give us a, a call. Uh, you can call our lab line or, or do you think give me an email. <laughs> yeah, no, I just shot down a, a kid's. Uh, yeah, that was but, your T Rex, man. The yeah. the first full one yeah. you were ever gonna find. Yeah. Well, um, they can send an email uh, here and uh, or uh, go to our, our website and send uh, photos into our. We have a, a Dino Institute website that they can send a picture into, and, and we can give some feedback on that. Um, and 
yeah, we can go from there. It, it's not just this place. It's, it's, it's others, uh, museums or, or is it all just going to kind of get routed to here when people are oh, making these calls? Oh, well, like, locally. I'm just yeah. talking about local folks, but, yeah. uh, I encourage anybody that finds something uh, wherever they're at, they can contact their local museum or university. She does a geology department or not, somebody knows something about fossils, where to direct them. Okay. But yeah, contact your local museum and, and, uh, share with them what you found and, uh, yeah, we can. Uh, if I can't nail down exactly what it is, I, there's somebody here that I can find and write them and route them in the right direction. You seem pretty um, knowledgeable about what stuff. Pretty is good with dead you. stuff. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I imagine. Yeah, yeah. That must be a difficult find if uh, you can't figure that. Yeah, one it's out. hard to stump me. I can I can pretty much figure out whatever it is. Yeah. So I wanted to move on to Nevada, which I think mm-hmm. has a very cool story. And oh, beer right. and dinosaurs, right? Like, how they much cooler does it get? Yeah. So, I guess Nevada's famous for their ichthyosaur uh, fossils yes. that they find there? Yeah, they are. They're, they're not true dinosaurs, but they're large marine reptiles that are impressive nonetheless. Um, they, this one that we're working on now is, um, is I'd say it would, it would have been about 30, 40 feet long. And the skull itself is about six feet long. And I'm working on that in the lab currently. Wow. I think there's some pictures of that on our website. Yeah. yeah. And um, I mean, this this one that you're working on is mm-hmm. pretty famous. Like, there's articles on it, like that I was right. reading about. Oh, so. okay. Yeah. 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 And, and yeah. So, so we've been, uh, 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 Dr. Martin Sanders has been uh, digging in this, in this, uh, the Nevada hills in the Humboldt Range, I, I believe this particular specimen is from. And, um, Kind of out there, it's really out in the middle of nowhere um, between Lovelock and Winnemucca. Oh, oh just uh, OJ was staying at the prison in uh, Lovelock. Just a reference. Yeah, just to put you. I need, I need, I need that note yeah. to figure out. <laughs> yeah, so just it's, it's really way out there. And um, uh, so the, we, we try to drive up as close and get permission to, to camp as close to the, the site as possible. And then um, we have to hike up to it, but this particular specimen um, was a, is a new, new larger species and um, has yet to be described uh, entirely. And there's a, uh, uh, a particular brewery out there in the Great Basin area that has an ichthyosaur on their uh, beer six pack. And so lo and behold, it turns out they have a map to their brewery and we went to the brewery and talked to the the owner uh, and uh, and head brewer, and it turns out that they he's a retired mining engineer, uh, Tom Young, uh, at Gray Basin Brewery, and he uh, was fascinated with the work we were doing out there and wanted to contribute and helped us do a fundraiser. And so, needless to say, we we, we struck up quite a, a relationship with with these folks at Gray Basin Brewery, and uh, we were looking for the proper truck to haul this specimen back uh, once we got it out of the hills. And it just so happened he had a, a beer truck available that had a lift gate on the back. And, <laughs> a beer truck, yeah. You know. And it happens to have an ichthyosaur on the side of it. This, um, this was one of the things I was so amazed at. Yeah. Like, because I'm like, oh, cool, a beer truck uh, yeah. hauling an ichthyosaur uh, fossils around. Yeah. And I go and look at the picture of it, and there's an actual ich- ichthyosaur on the, <laughs> on the side, side of, of the, the truck. truck. <laughs> yeah. It was, it was just yeah. that transport. It was the, it was the funniest thing. Like, yeah, the stars were just in alignment that yeah. day, and and things worked out just perfectly. And uh, they they got a kick in and uh, bringing it out to us and helping us with that cost. And uh, yeah, we did another fundraiser this year, and so our uh, they paid for our entire dig season out there uh, the last year. Wow. So yeah, it's, it's great. A good relationship <laughs> and and a good product. That's so awesome. Um, oftentimes you get a you know there's a, a good bottle of wine that has a real funky label and then you drink the wine and boy that's terrible. But 
<laughs> this is great, a great beer and a, a great marketing and uh, just a real great relationship that we, we've had. And uh, um, so we're going to name, we're, they're in a hurry for me to get this prepared out compli- <laughs> completely so it can be described and published on so that we can name a, a new beer after it. Um, what, you're saying you're trying <laughs> that's to- That's kind of exciting. Yeah, yeah that great. is exciting, but you're saying getting rushed, but- what does that mean in your in your terms? Someone Just spend as rush. much time on it as yeah, possible. Yeah, to me, say someone yeah. saying rush this. It's like, all right, end of summer, I'll be ready. <laughs> but I don't think that's going to be happening with this thing. Yeah, uh, yeah. I'll, but we we have a, a new couple of volunteers. I'm I'm getting trained on the the material. The skull is the hardest part with all the delicate little intricacies of the teeth and things, and that's nearly done. Um, but we have a whole rib cage and flippers to get done, and so I can get some folks that aren't as skilled um, onto those things that are more easier to see abroad surfaces and, and uh, ribs and, and things like that are pretty much more straightforward. So um, I can I can kind of speed it up, but uh, yeah, we have to see what we can do. When do you anticipate conservatively went to have something? The, the skull will be done this, uh, this year, um, um, but maybe before we start our, our dig season. That's a, that's a good, you gotta set some smaller goals. I'm sorry, I should, rephrase, goals. I should rephrase yeah. my question. When are they the going to name thing. a new beer? <laughs> uh, more important. Well, uh, I don't know. They were just asking me. Uh, some of them were in town. Uh, uh, the brewer and, and uh, Martin were both in town for another event. And, and uh, so they were asking me about that. And it's, I'm, I'm trying to nail that down. I, I can't give you exact date, but I think <laughs> we can have the skull done. And, then, and we, I have to make a cast of this to go in there, hang up. In a, over a fireplace area in their brewery, so, so the pressure's on wow. me to get that get that done, and uh, and that will also help uh, um, draw excitement to the, the all the other ichthyosaurs we're going to be trying to get, not just this one, but kind of help uh, up the pace of getting the rest of those things collected and prepared and on display. Hmm. So for for them as well as our own uh, ichthyosaur uh, exhibit that we want to get going. So um, this year. I could say that's cool. It's, it's <laughs> the best best milestone I can give you right now, ballpark. Yeah, because I'm you know, researching for this episode. It's uh, some of the stuff you guys have been working on, like on sites. Mm-hmm. It's been like forty years at least. Like even some of the stuff you were telling me, you were you have up in what did you call it storage or a warehouse? Yeah, we have a, a backlog of material. Some things that aren't as much priority. Uh, unfortunately, it is it is a science, but it is also a business, and so mm-hmm. you have to get things that are. That are the biggest, the baddest, the the best, uh, and and try to get additional money generated for that to get things not just just out of the ground, but here and then prepared is really the, where most of the time goes. It's just getting stuff prepared. Are you saying are, the gnat fossils don't really fund your? Uh... <laughs> yeah, that's well, the story. The story and the and the way the things look, that the the color, the and it's a new species of sauropod. Mm-hmm. And getting that uh, described and sorted out, um, and then it, it's a it's a big animal, so it'll be an impressive display. And uh, so there's yeah, there's a lot of people collectively working on that all at one time to to make that happen, make that materialize. And just to clarify, a sauropod is referencing a group of dinosaurs. Yeah, yeah, a this category is, uh, more likely a diplodocid, and that's a group within the sauropod, uh, the big long neck, long tail, right, large. Uh, uh, vegetarian dinosaurs. Yeah. Right, those are all sauropods, the ones with the long necks and, and the long tails and everything. Pardon? The, the sauropods are the ones that, like the brontosaurus and like the, yeah, just the ones the, with the well, long the, necks. And, well, right, right. Um, yeah, that group. What I say wrong? What? <laughs> <laughs> He's so looking at me like. Yeah, <laughs> brontosaurus is a. I'm sorry, that's a, the old the old name, but now we've known that uh, there's different. Um, it's a whole whole other group of animals with. Uh, more accurate names, and so that's the name we grew up knowing. Those those animals, the, right. the brontosaurus, is the, right. the go-to. 
I oh, love you, great. Doug. I Sorry. could tell I said something that wasn't quite right. He's like, uh. <laughs> well, can, I, I might edit that out. No, 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 we're gonna no, keep, no we have to keep no. it. It's funny because I can actually, send you a whole article on that. The whole they've got the wrong head on the wrong animal. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, look, look, look. I like that's where that started. Before coming so here, I I knew that they had updated names uh-huh. and all that stuff like that. So I made it a very personal point if not I don't to name you, any. Kids are gonna correct you. No, that's he's absolutely right. That's why I'm not gonna say any dinosaur names today. I'm just gonna let Doug say it. That's what's gonna happen. I was like, yeah. you're confident, Justin. I don't even know if this is like the most accurate, up-to-date name. But I mean, that's exact. I knew what you're talking about. Yeah. So we, we all know that's that's the the known go-to sauropod is the brontosaurus. That's, that's unfortunately just no longer. Sad, sad, but Aww. yeah, yeah. Well, tell me, the Dilophosaurus is still real from mm-hmm. Jurassic Park, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. Okay. Don't well, crush not, any more not, of my. Yeah. Oh, here it comes. Here it is. <laughs> technical. Getting technical here. Well, it's not known that they're running around. And, uh, their their necks are flaying out and spitting venom and all that kind of thing. I don't. I, I can't. Yeah. Say that's that's real, speculative. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm just gonna choose to believe. But that. that's that's fun. That's a fun <laughs> idea. The you weren't alive. there, so you can't say it yeah, wasn't. Hey, you know what? Yeah, you're right. right. And in he, my dreams. <laughs> <laughs> ridiculous. <laughs> I'll keep the dreams alive. So, so I'm not sure if we actually, I'm not sure if we actually went over this yet. But how did you get the job here? Well, I uh, started volunteering uh, in the early '90s, and then uh, um, contributing what I know with my backgrounds to the job. I was more qualified than a lot of other folks. Uh, now I think there's there's uh, that this is it's more aware that the, people are more aware that this is a, a career path that they can take, and we give tours all the time and people want to know exactly that. And it's like wow, everybody when you think about it, everybody's coming to this with from different backgrounds. Mm-hmm. So um, just just having worked here and having experienced local digs as well as then going uh, first dig I went on was out to uh, uh, Wyoming. And then seeing the Badlands and going out there and, and having read about it and going out there and doing it, very different things. And uh, seeing the, uh, getting that hands-on experience uh, just also gave me more qualifications to then come on and uh, be full-time and preparing the stuff and I could mold and cast the material. And that's a skill unto itself that, that you learn at different effects labs, that you work with different artists that have done uh, more complex projects and how to how to take something as intricate as a as a skull and break that down into smaller pieces and make molds of those pieces and it put that together. It looks like it's complicated. Yeah. So you're yeah, as you as you made mention in looking at the quarries, you're making a you're a puzzle maker. Uh, so you're trying to deconstruct stuff too and see how that would go best go back together or ways to approach it with what materials, uh, depending on how it's going to be displayed or how it's going to be used as a, as a something that uh, can be rough and tumble that kids can beat up or, and, and want to have a hands-on experience with or stuff that's going to be on display and, and then not disturbed and only handled by professionals. So you've got to look at all that. Are puzzle games like a big thing with your colleagues, like in your free time? <laughs> no, no, well, now you mention that. Yeah, there's there's a previous preparator used to is he had a hobby of uh, building ships and bottles and doing that uh, sounds a, a more meticulous kind of work as a hobby. So yeah, yeah, I guess I guess so. There's the there's that personality trait I'd, I'd say that runs is a common thread that runs through most preparators uh, that like uh, that have hobbies like that or natural interests like that that are drawn to that uh, it, this this sort of your chart like, over there is complicated. <laughs> <laughs> so just yeah. decoding that is, is a skill by itself. Yeah, yeah, I guess I guess seeing the first uh, rough draft of that quarry map uh, and then adding to it and helping create that 
and slowly developing that, then then you, you see it from beginning uh, to where it is now. It it makes sense just because you spend a lot of time with it. Mm. But then uh, if you step back, just uh, yeah, if you were to just come upon that and you're like, I don't know what you're looking at here. Uh, it does look like a, a jumbled. Um, Kind of layered, massive. Yeah, puzzle. no, because like just you need to start putting that together. Yeah, like, yeah, it breaks my head. Yeah, but <laughs> but you slowly, you know, it's you don't uh, you learn something all in one day. Yeah, it can be mind blowing, but but then yeah, it just uh, if if you develop it over time, it makes more sense, I suppose. Yeah. So when you get everything back here. And you get to, towards the end when you're finally all, all the bones are, or all the fossils are, you know, they've you've gotten away all the dirt and the rock and everything. And when it actually comes down to displaying it, like how do you how do you go about that process? Who decides which how you're gonna how angry you're gonna make the T Rex or what position you're gonna put him in? Or oh yeah, the, the, there's a lot of thought that goes into that. We have exhibit planners and uh, of course. Uh, paleontologists and, mm-hmm. and there was some talk about before we mounted our, our T-Rex downstairs that they always are kind of we um, they went from a very stagnant pose um, back in the, we've, uh, as a kid where you first see a dinosaur it's, it's just kind of mounted in a real plane mm-hmm. you know this dead thing is just up, uplifted and straightforward and then it went to more of what we call dancing dinosaurs and these really dynamic poses yeah uh, of things and uh, and and we were talking about uh, to do something different. Why not have it sitting? Because it would sit a lot like a chicken would probably sit because their <laughs> framework is very uh-huh. similar. I didn't even so, think about that. Yeah, but who wants to come in and see it <laughs> sitting? It's just it's got to relax at some point. It's got to sit down and take it easy. Did it have a cup lay of tea? <laughs> yeah, well, actually, it can't reach it. Uh, yeah, yeah it tea would be a problem. I think. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, there, there would have. What would be comfortable? Would it, you know, sit forward and rest its head on a, a big rock, or would it, you know, kind of cock its neck back and perch like a bird? Uh, there's these things to explore, and it would be really interesting. I think there's some mention of that in the in the galleries, but um, yeah, there was a really neat idea that I think they they passed on and went with this pose of different animals, suggesting uh, we, we don't know. Uh, and these animals are, if they're scavenging and competing, uh, with this carcass that's in the middle, you have to kind of take a look at the, the display, um, uh, to, to understand my, my reference here. But if, or if there's their mother kind of, uh, helping protect, uh, the young, uh, from another, another one, it's, uh, an opportunistic, uh, scavenging right. behavior going on. And that's kind of left open for people to kind of interpret for themselves. Cause you, you don't know as yeah. expert as you want to be. It, you, it's kind of hard to say. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, uh, there's, there's a T-Rex that had, uh, evidence, uh, found of, uh, other, uh, ser- uh other, um, uh, theropods, uh, remains of other theropods found within the stomach cavity. So it's obviously eating other right. uh, T-Rex, eating other T-Rex. And so it makes wow. sense. Modern, oh, I didn't know well, that. Well, crocodiles will, will eat other crocodiles. So, um, yeah, that, that's, uh, that's, it's crazy. That it's actually preserved. Be, like you yeah, can actually tell yeah, that. Yeah. Um, and then there's one of the, our ichthyosaurs that's on display. Uh, and, and one of the new ones that, that Dr. Sander found was, uh, in, in Nevada. Um, uh, there's been several that have found with uh, uh, like a, a mother giving birth, uh, died in the middle of giving birth to a, uh, a ichthyosaur. No so it's a baby being, yeah, 
And then you have to interpret the, make sure that you're interpreting the, the fossil inf, uh, specimen properly and that you're not, it's not scavenging and eating other ichthyosaurs, but it's, um, those are young that aren't, aren't born yet. And so you have to look at the skeleton where things are positioned and wow, how I good never a preservation even thought that about is. that. Yeah. How you could be like, oh, it just ate its baby, or no, it didn't give it's, birth to yeah. its baby yet. Yeah, right. yeah, sure, yeah. Sure. Wow. So you can learn a lot from the, even though it's it's a, a dead skeleton without the skin, you can still learn quite a bit from the, the behavior. Well, going off that, are there any uh, any surprises that you found from from finding fossils in a certain way, or just things that we didn't know before? Like that we or found the, out not from... Com- yeah, like everything we're talking about in this conversation like right now. <laughs> yeah, I, there's a lot of uh, new things that come up. Uh, kind of put you on the spot on bit. that one. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm, I'm trying to think of a, something just, just right away. Um, oh, there's, there's mention of like a T-Rex that's on display now. Well, one, there's a, an astragalus. It's a little bone that, that uh, can, uh, articulates the, the lower leg bones to the, the ankle bones uh, right there, the... Um, if I'm getting that right, um, where uh, that can be, I have that on the other side, there, the femur, <laughs> and, and but anyway, the, there's a, this this particular leg bone, um, this this small bone caps the leg bones, and and it is more in birds, it's it's all fused together, um, but on these, on these, uh, was that? I'm not sure. Oh. <laughs> Sorry about wow. that. Wow. Wow. <laughs> what a pro you are. <laughs> I was afraid of that. Mine, mine is really annoying uh, honking sound, so I turned that up. But anyway, <laughs> uh, what was I saying? Oh, so, so yeah, this astragalus, uh, this bone is uh, in birds is fused, uh, but in, in reptiles, it, uh, um, it can, uh, uh, as the animal gets older, it then it starts off not fused. And so, that could indicate um, the age of the animal or whether the animal prefers or, or, or uses uh, one side more than the other. So that side will develop more. So you could kind of uh, speculate, if you compare it to reptile anatomy, that the T-Rex might be uh, right-footed or left-footed. Wow. Whatever information that, that gives you. But it's I, mean, just, yeah, the, I mean, it's still interesting. Yeah. And, and the fact maybe, that you could like just figure out the general age of it because yeah. of the... Well, elephants have a right... They're more prone to use one side or the other. They're left tusked or right tusked, so there's more wear on one tusk than the other. Huh. So, so yeah, you could... For whatever that's worth, you can tell if the animal's <laughs> right or left-footed. Um, you know, uh, but... Uh, so there's things like that that come up all the time. There's also on the juvenile, you, you might ask, well, how do you know it's a juvenile? Um, the, the... Just like in our own skull, on an older person's skull, the... The sutures and features in the, the skull where they, they form together, on an older person that's going to be heavily ossified and, or smoothed over, so you don't see where the bones all join. It's all uh, os- the, 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 the bones will then, uh, just over time, uh, just like in arthritic joints, uh, the bone starts filling in all the gaps. And, and uh, mm. uh, so, you know, an older individual's skeletal system then uh, compared to a younger, the, the T-Rex is the same way with the way the vertebrae uh, uh, fuse together the top the vertebrae, when you look at the specimen downstairs, uh, some of the tops of the vertebrae aren't fully fused to the centrum, and they're, they're kind of, they're, they're kind of uh, as the animal is fossilized, they're kind of askew on a couple of the vertebrae, and that's, that indicates that was a younger individual. So mm. there's, there's little subtleties like that, and there's some abscesses, so there's some bone disease in there. Um, mm. 
uh, where, where there's some growth around an infection. Oh, uh, okay. Uh, so you can see those sorts of features in that particular specimen. So this, that's kind of an example of right. something that you, you, might, you might learn uh, just on something that you're working on as opposed to what's out there and published as a norm. Uh, but you really need a whole population of these animals to see uh, what's normal and what's, uh, for a long time, our, our juvenile T-Rex was misnamed a nanotyrannosaurid. They thought it was like a little midget tyrannosaurid, but they don't know what's normal. A different you species, you mean? Yeah, you mm-hmm. don't know what's normal because you don't have a whole growth range and you don't have these from all over the continent so that you can have, you know, if you just were to see a cow and you didn't see thousands of cows, you wouldn't know, is this a big one or a little one or is this a, mm-hmm. a, an older, younger individual? Or um, you, you need a whole population because some individuals are going to do different things and then that's going to reflect in their, right. in their uh, features and, and uh, their skeletal system. Um, based on those different behaviors and diet. So, um, yeah, that's, that's something that you can, another reason to go and spend some extra time looking around at our, oh, our dino sure. halls. Is there actually a, a tiny T-Rex? Is there? There is not. Is there a tiny version I wanted to ask a, that question, but I wasn't juvenile. sure if I, yeah. <laughs> yeah, there are, there are smaller theropods. There, um, like the, there's this, uh, there's a smaller, uh, um, well, it's more of an allosaurid, so before T-Rex. There's these allosaurids uh, that is in our, our, uh, Natalie Corey, so it's a smaller, more, more robust kind of uh, heavier set animal. And you, do, uh, so a theropod. Sorry, the the um, T Rexes are are theropods, so beast foot is what that that means. So, so walking on two feet, bipedal. Uh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Or use the smart word bipedal, whatever. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I'm, I'm I'm jumping around. <laughs> no, it's all it's all good. I'm, uh, I'm assuming, yeah. Um, so yeah, this is the sauropod. Of course, is on the four, four uh, limbs, four awesome. feet. Um, yeah, did I answer that? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. We're good. I think we're actually coming closer to the mm-hmm. end. Uh, I just have like a couple random questions at this point sure. about what all is going on here. Like, uh, let me have a, have a follow up question. So you it. guys are going to known dig sites, so you know there's papers written. There's you're expecting to find something, right? Do you ever scout out areas where it's not known to find something, or where you anticipate to find something, or? Like how does that um, work? It's always going yeah. to it. Like how Antarctica they- is one of those places that's there's a lot of uh, there's a new a small theropod that turned up that Dr. Smith, one of our our paleontologists, just, just came back from. Uh, he was out there for three months in Antarctica, mm-hmm. and there's a theropod that uh, the conditions are really tough to to work under, and uh, but that's kind of exciting and new. Where that's there's a lot of unknowns up there, and so. Um, yeah, we're gonna have some of that material is collected and, and mm-hmm. yet to be prepared. That's upstairs, on mm-hmm. kind of oh cool backlogged a little bit, but we'll get to it pretty soon because it's a it's a new thing. It's it's uh, very interesting and uh, exciting to get anything out and on display and published on. It's it's dug up from that uh, continent. It's new. How's uh um, what's my fault? What's the, like the budget for like? going out for a dig like over a summer uh, not nearly enough no, uh, <laughs> no but like, how much do you guys need to get going oh uh i think the the average dig uh for utah let's say something that's that's mm-hmm. here and easy to access and for a group of like oh give or 15 give or take mm-hmm. um so for a month or more a little bit more a month around a month be about about 10 grand 10 grand yeah and you, you're getting these through grants, uh, donations. Like, how's this happen? Like, all, all the above. Uh, yeah. Is there a primary means of funding yourself? Like, do you guys always uh, apply to like one specific type of grant to do these types of uh, digs, or 
It's um, just whatever, whoever is going to give you a hand you money, you'll just take it. That too. <laughs> sure. sure. Uh, there's NFS grants, uh, National Science Foundation grants, um, and, and I'm not part of uh, the, that. I'm, I oh, I'm sure go to money generating events. And, sure. And like I, I went to the, uh, I helped with the uh, getting the um, donations from, from the brewery. I go to, go to that fundraiser where they were relying on throwing a big party for their local community and, and, it, and having guest speaker there and everybody's paying for that. And that, that generated a lot of money with beer. So You see, Justin's idea is great now. The Glow in the Dark T-Rex would be an amazing <laughs> fundraising event, I think. Uh-huh. Yeah, just do a rave over a weekend. Weekends. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah, it'd just be an annual event and like just... A good mixer. No, it, it it is. It does take marketing. We have a great marketing team now, and and it's that's key part of it. You got to throw money, a lot of money at that, and, yeah. uh, and that'll just be that much more successful. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it's just a, the out there going out and digging, digging things up, just like uh, we've done traditionally for many years. Uh, there's a lot more that plays into it, and and all that costs money, and you, you got to generate all that, and so we try to have more events and. And build more relationships and things like that, and uh, cultivate more donors. Um, all of that is important, and uh, I'm not as inf- inf- as part of that as much as I, uh, I, I. Well, I am from time to time, but it has to be primarily in here. Somebody's got to actually dig this stuff up and do, <laughs> do the prep. And so that's it enough. Seems that's like enough for doing, me. It seems like you're just, doing enough work around yeah, here with everything yeah. you showed us. So, and then you're in doing fun stuff like this right now. Uh, you know, it, it, that's enough to keep keep my plate full. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, it's it all all that needs to be done, and it's just you got to be constant and ever growing. Mm-hmm. Setting up endowments and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's a museum needs all of that. And uh, yeah, and dinosaurs fortunately can market themselves very well. And, yeah. And. Um, so that, that helps making a, a sellable product uh, already mm-hmm. that's, that's, that people are already excited about. And every time there's a Jurassic Park movie comes out, there's more excitement around, <laughs> around things like that. So that helps us too. Hopefully this getting, one's good. Getting uh, young and up-and-coming paleontologists interested in, in seeing what we're doing and excited about that. And, and just like you guys, it sticks in your head and, and hopefully that stays with you and you can contribute back to paleontology in some way. And, and this Absolutely. is part of that, just yeah. getting people excited and knowing about this. For sure. Shows like this. You got a, you got a favorite dinosaur? I yeah, I, I do. <laughs> oh yeah, how you ask yeah. that question? Yeah, T Rex. Of course, a T Rex. But nice. I, I'm influenced by that too by the the one I dug up. So so that was. Uh, oh, that's yeah, great. That's that's a lot of fun. So yeah. To get to be personal with it, something yeah. that you love. Nothing. Like, nothing. That's, yeah. that's so beautiful. Oh. That's awesome. <laughs> it's yeah. It, it's it, yeah. That's awesome. I am really into ichthyosaurus right now, though. You <laughs> ichthyosaurus, yeah. Of course. Cool. And uh, icky beer. That's that's the icky beer. IPA. Icky, yeah, icky IPA. IPA. Yeah. <laughs> Apparently, but, uh, I read it was like that's one of the best-selling uh, microbrew beers in Nevada. Oh, yeah. Why yeah. wouldn't it be? <laughs> Why yeah, wouldn't it, it is, be? Yeah. And the, the Germans are, are good beer critics, and uh, they they know good beer, and they they all like it. Do they give it their they seal all, of approval? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Nice. So they do. They like nice it. man. So yeah, it's it's internationally loved. Yeah. Cool. All right. Last question for you, man. Sure. Um, what's been, with what you do here, what has been the hardest part of what you do? And what is, has been your absolute favorite part? Well, my favorite part I already talked about is, is field work. Mm-hmm. I think that's it's, it's really fun just getting out there and um, um, working with a bunch of different people, sometimes international groups, and uh, sharing that um, 
uh, passion for, for paleontology. And even though it's grueling, you, uh, you yeah, love it. Yeah, there's something that brings a, a team together when you have to undergo those, those uh, circumstances together. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's, um, I think it helps build that bond and you keep in, in touch with those folks uh, throughout the, the year and, and for many years sometimes. So that's, that's fun. Um, just everything with, with field work and just all the different experiences that you don't anticipate or ever knew you would go through. Mm-hmm. So that's fun. Um, what's the most difficult uh, part? Um, Dealing with the kids tapping on the glass? That's, that's pretty, that's pretty high up there. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, um, yeah. Maybe that's where I want to stop. <laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> All right, man. Yeah, you know, it, it is cool. it is work. So yeah. That's <laughs> awesome. For sure. You know, work can be, it can be great. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Back well, and forth. it seems like you really love your job, and we appreciate the time you've given us to come in here sure. in your lab, yeah. set up the whole podcast Seriously, equipment. Seriously, can't thank you enough for yeah, that. Yeah, this is a great yeah change of pace. Yeah. yeah. Hope you had fun with it, man. Rest yeah. your hands a little bit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's the other thing is your all the tools uh, can really drain your uh, <laughs> yeah yeah that can be tough so, yeah. <laughs> um, Doug is there anything uh, where can people you've said it multiple times in the episode but where can people like get a hold of necessarily you or like just seeing the stuff Natural History Museums like any yeah, you plug can, you can come down here we're, we're at 900 Exposition Boulevard in downtown Los Angeles right across from the USC campus um, we have an event coming up in September, the uh, Dino Fest. So that's all things dinosaur. You can see some of us uh, talking about digs, uh, showing pictures of uh, the different uh, field work we've done, and uh, um, do some plaster jacketing. You'll uh, be talking to people. You'll yeah, be. yeah. Be so they can actually come and meet so you. So you can do some yeah. plastering with me. Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. uh, it's it's like for all ages. Um, there's some good guest speakers and uh, paleo artists uh, doing. Uh, I, I can't think of the gentleman's name right now, but the guy that uh, he's Alaskan based. Um, oh, anyway. He's, Next door. There's, there's some, yeah, there's some <laughs> other, there's some paleo artists. There's, uh, there's going to be bands playing. There's, uh, yeah, lots of activities for kids and families and, uh, and professionals. So that's coming up at the last weekend of September. Great. And, uh, yeah, they can always come down and, uh, or visit our website, um, our nhm.org. And uh, if they dig or, something up in their backyard, just get a hold of you, right? Uh, <laughs> well, yeah, they, they can send me a picture, or if you want to bring it down. Uh, and uh, I want to make sure I got the website. Uh, our website, right, is uh, natural. Is it nhm.org? I believe so. Kaylin's checking just out right now. Just getting confirmation. We'll definitely <laughs> put the link. There's a dinosaur uh, institute. The yeah, there's a dinosaur institute uh, particular. <laughs> I have to look it up. It's myself. a. We'll, we'll we'll get it. We'll get it. We'll get in the uh, the bookends. So yeah. All right. Well, thank make, you, Doug. I appreciate it. Sound it. Like I know where I'm working. <laughs> uh, Dino Lab. Dino. <laughs> yeah, but there's there's links on our website that, that can show you the up and coming events and things like that. Uh, awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you okay. so much, Doug. I appreciate it. You Thanks bet. for taking the time, you man. Bet. Thank you. Well, that was an absolute blast. I felt like a kid. Uh, I'm so glad I didn't say any dinosaur names in the episode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man, that brontosaurus, man, that's gonna come back to haunt me. <laughs> no, but you know, it was actually cool. After the uh, recording, um, Doug was insisting that we walk through the uh, the hallways and the museum. We couldn't stay there the whole day since we had all the podcast equipment on location. But it was really cool just to go check out, you know, dinosaur fossils and. Uh, I think we spent more time than we thought we would there because uh, I was actually getting lost in all the information. I was like 
placing everything in a timeline and everything. It was amazing. I, I highly recommend anyone going there. You'll lose a whole day. Just yeah, and I was really surprised at how huge their dinosaur section actually was. Like, I was not expecting that, and it was like, oh, there's a whole other room over here. Oh, there's an upstairs. Like, there, there's a shop. It was we amazing. Didn't go in. Like, there was like a bunch of different things we didn't see actually. But yeah, definitely a place to uh, spend a day. Also, we wanted to give a quick shout out to Jennifer Kerr. Um, she is a part of uh, SCPS. Um, that stands for Southern California Paleontological Society. Um, check them out. Without Jennifer, we wouldn't have had this interview. So thanks, Jennifer. Um, her nonprofit, uh, SCPS, uh, meets weekly at the La Brea Tar Pits if you're ever in Los Angeles. So uh, look them up. Check them out. They'll be kind of cool. Um, but yeah, I hope you guys enjoyed this episode as much as we did. Um, this episode of The Interesting Hour is brought to you by the Natural History Museum in Los Angeles. Uh, check them out at nhm.org. And of course, CORE Foundation, uh, cor-foundation.org. Check us out, guys, and I uh, hope you enjoyed it. See you next time. Thanks for joining us. Bye-bye.